What's up, everybody? It's Jeff Grammer with the Albuquerque Journal, and this is the Talking Grammar Podcast. We're on episode 45 right now, and been about a month since the last episode. I think these are going to start being about every week now that the college sports season is upon us. We've already had a couple UNM Lobo soccer matches. We There've been an exhibition, Lobo uh, and New Mexico State down in Las Cruces have had exhibition volleyball. And this week, New Mexico State football starts. Next week, it's kind of the uh, reboot or the inaugural season of Danny Gonzalez's Lobos Part 2, if you will. Last year, of course, the Lobos were coached by Danny Gonzalez, but the entire season was in Las Vegas, Nevada. Due to COVID restrictions in the state of New Mexico, they relocated. So while he has coached a season, this will be the local boys, the Albuquerque boys' first season coaching in Albuquerque. So... I wanted to talk with him about that, about his return to Albuquerque and finally getting to coach in front of his community, in front of his hometown, his family. And I did so about almost a month ago now. It was actually August 3rd. It was the morning after he threw out the first pitch at a Albuquerque Isotopes game, recorded this podcast conversation then. They had just gotten back, uh, he and a couple players had just gotten back from Mountain West Media Days, sat on the podcast a little bit as the season approached. And now that the season is Basically, on the brink, it's it starts next week. They play Houston Baptist at University Stadium. Uh, here it is. I wanted to share this podcast conversation with you, and I talked to him about a lot of things. This isn't so much an X's and O's conversation that I have with Danny Gonzalez. Steve Virgin, the Albuquerque Journal's assistant sports editor and, and primary football beat writer, is going to do a lot of that. He'll have some of that on the relaunched new version of the Albuquerque Journal's website, abqjournal.com. Our, our new reload, our new website is up and running now. And he'll have some of that X's and O's and game week stuff next week. He'll have this weekend a, a preview of the team overall. I had more of a, a broader um, conversation with, with Danny Gonzalez as he approaches year one in Albuquerque, year two as the Lobos coach, and kind of talked to him about how, how in the world a team with only two wins last year seems to have this much momentum going. And Lobo football does have a little bit of excitement, does have some momentum going, and people want to see what's going to happen with this team. Now, around the league, the Mountain West media poll, they're picked last. That, frankly, is probably pretty expected. They did just win two games. They are coming off you know, a, an era of pretty bad football for several years that led to the coaching change. So he gets that. He says they will not be the worst team in the league. He, he looks forward to the days when uh, he doesn't have to uh, keep proving how uh, how good the Slobo football team is now. But he also realizes that right now they still have that proving to do. So we talk about that. We talk about the kid growing up um, a huge that grew up as a huge Dukes fan would listen to it on the radio and the, the real late games when they would play on um, play Hawaii late at night and his dad coming in and telling him to turn off the radio and he'd uh, turn it off and turn it back on you know a few minutes later and then get in trouble again talk about him growing up a Lobo sports fan for all Lobo sports including basketball he was a huge Lobo basketball fan remembered the 1988 game when the Lobos beat number one Arizona. One of his personal favorite games is when Royce Olney and, and the Lobos beat Utah in that huge, he says, in his mind, the loudest game ever in the pit. We talk about those kind of memories, too. We also talk about one memory that I was at in, as a student reporter at New Mexico State University. I covered a Lobo football game here in Albuquerque in 1999 when, when one of Danny's best friends, and Danny was still a part, obviously, of the of the team then. But in 99, Brian Erlacher drops a drops a punt. Uh, late in the game, and the Yaggies end up beating the Lobos in Albuquerque with that Brian Erlacher team. We talk about that, and he has a funny story about Coach Rocky Long, who's now the defensive coordinator on the Lobos, 
Danny remembers how he started that post-game press conference and before a single question was asked what Rocky said to the media about Brian Urlacher. So that obviously huge mentor in, in Danny's coaching life is Rocky Long. So a lot of what Danny does now is based on the uh, the mentorship that he took from Rocky Long. So that was an interesting conversation. We also talk about his cheerleading. He's been a huge cheerleader for all Lobo sports all spring. He thanked the soccer coach, the golf coaches, the tennis coaches. He would go to the women's basketball game that that was in the pit. He did all of that because all of those sports put off their season last spring or last fall. Rather, they all played in the spring. So football could make their season happen last fall. They they didn't complain. He's he's thanked them. Excuse me. He's thanked them numerous times for for basically being a huge part of the overall Lobo Athletic Department kind of navigation through the 2020-21 season that was, the, the COVID season that, that could have cost the entire department the entire season. Instead, they tried to make football work in Las Vegas. It did work, and he is very thankful for all the people there that um, that helped make that work. So I, I do talk to him about that. And then we talk about some uh, funny thing where Bethany Miller, Bethany Miller, the new sports reporter at KOAT, and um, she asked Danny at Mountain West Media Days about his favorite TV show, um, so his favorite or most romantic place in New Mexico. A couple of those answers uh, I thought surprised me. And so I talked to him about it. And his answer for most romantic place in New Mexico was La Luz Trail. And he left it at that. She posted video of that later on that night on social media. Sandra Gonzalez, Danny's wife, comes on onto Twitter and responds that that was where he had proposed to her. So Danny has a soft side, and we talk about that a little bit. He, he does say he he admits that uh, he has no problem showing his vulnerable side and his soft side a little bit, and uh, that is not the same person that people see on the sidelines and the tough guy, old-school kind of throwback coach that he is um, with his team and, and uh, certainly on the sidelines during games. So anyway – Wide-ranging, kind of a lot of topics we cover here. I appreciate Danny for making this happen. His season, his first season in Albuquerque, starts next week as the Lobos open at 6 p.m. on September 2nd against Houston Baptist at University Stadium. Here it is, our conversation from earlier this month with Danny Gonzalez on episode 45 of the Talking Grammar Podcast. All right, man, so... We're getting close. I wanted to, uh, I know I've talked to you about getting you on a podcast um, a couple times and you've always said, yeah, whenever. So now that football season's about here, I better get it done now before, you know, before you're actually really busy. No doubt. Um, I am curious a little bit uh, going into this year. Does it feel like the first year still because it's a home There's a some home season? some things to do. Um, being able to practice here in some kind of normalcy, being able to play here, having fans and not being the focus uh, in the summer of, of trying to get the name out there and football again and get people excited where last year when we got back at this point it was how are we going to work out yeah who's going to be able to be close to each other who's not when and then how are we going to get bigger how are we going to expand the groups which here we were never able to i'm i'm curious if it's i mean is there a sense of relief in any way or is this time of year not relief that's probably not the right word for any football coach at this time of year but is there a sense of like oh back to normalcy or is is that not the case? Up until about a week ago, maybe. Yeah. But uh, with the way things are shaking out, it's day to day. But you know what? We don't control that. 
So I'm not letting that affect our preparation and what we're doing. Uh, we control our environment. We did a great job in, in Las Vegas doing that last year. Um, now it was easier because we had them all day long and there was no interactive with, with anybody. So that'll create a little bit of a challenge. We're not putting them in a hotel during fall camp. We're expecting them to abide by the certain rights and privileges you give up to be on a team and not be running around town. And the great thing about Albuquerque and knowing people, when our guys are out, I find out. <laughs> you find out pretty quick. I guess the whole control, what you can control, um, if last year didn't kind of solidify that mantra that coaches always tell their players, like control what you can control. Last year, so much was out of your control that if that didn't kind of solidify it in some of your players' minds, I don't know what would. Yeah, I mean, and, and I think the great thing that our program really did was act like it's no big deal. I mean, yeah. if something changes, okay, then it changes. Don't don't act like it's the end of the world and and the, and the, the ship is sinking because if that's the reaction from the coaches, our players have no chance. All right, well, so what I want to do with this, and, and we talked a little bit, obviously, about football and you getting into it. Um, I'm going to let Steve Virgin cover the personnel and all that kind of stuff awesome. over the next few weeks. You guys are going to be having 50 stories, I'm sure, between now and, and opening day about, you know, what defensive ends doing this, what kickers doing that and all that kind of stuff. Um, I'm curious. I want to start with you, though, the, the local boy back home and about to coach in front of the local fans. Across the street last night, you threw out the first pitch. Were you a Dukes fan? Huge Dukes fan growing up. Yeah. Uh, I used to get in trouble at night. Uh, I had a little AM radio, and I used to listen to Mike uh, Roberts and Jim Lawell on the radio yeah. um, call the games. I mean, when they would play over in Hawaii against the Islanders, uh, that game wouldn't start till 10 p.m. Yeah. And so I'd be there um, listening to the game. I mean, I can remember Stu Peterson, who ended up playing for the Dodgers, uh, Greg Brock. I mean, those guys were Albuquerque Dukes, and and – I'd be listening to him. My dad would come in and be, "I'll turn that radio off." I'd, I'd turn it off, and then he'd go away. I'd turn it back up. I mean, I was, I was big into it. And my dad, uh, he owned a couple of Firestone stores here in Albuquerque. He had one on uh, San Mateo and Copper. My mom would drop me off over there. He'd run me down to the ballpark, and at the seventh inning, you got it free. So we, we would catch the end of almost every game during the summer. I was say for Dukes and, and now Isotopes, seventh inning on, still another hour, you know, yeah. not another hour of baseball. So and it was odd. I can remember Franklin Stubbs running off the field one day and tossed me a ball after he got the out. I still got that ball at the house. <laughs> I mean, those were great memories. So last night being able to throw that pitch out last night, I mean, that's that's just uh, a little boy's dream come true. What is uh what is the film breakdown of your pitch look like to you? A little you? outside. A little uh, you outside? know, I was trying to trying to get him to chase it a little bit. I was disappointed they wouldn't let me get on the mound. So when I threw the first pitch here at the for our baseball, they let you. Uh, it was good, but they uh, Dylan said they didn't want to they didn't want to mess it up for I the pitchers. I, never, and, I mean, as okay. much isotopes as I as I've covered, I didn't realize they tell you guys probably not to get on the mound, but I guess it makes sense. I think for but, a combination, most people would rather throw from there. Yeah. To be honest with you, it was harder. Uh, you're a little bit more pressure. I yeah. mean, I, I mean, you know, you throw from you throw ball regular from the top, and it is growing, throwing baseball growing up. But you didn't bounce it, and that's I didn't. That's I did not throw, thing. didn't bounce it, and I didn't throw it by him. Now he did a great job of catching it, but it was good. So Sunday night, a longtime thirty-year photographer of the Journal, Jim Thompson, got to throw out the first pitch on Sunday, and and he bounced it on the plate. And my sports editor and I were both talking. If we ever threw out a first pitch. It would hit the back of the net before it hit the ground. There's like no I'd, doubt. I'd sail it over the catcher and blame the catcher for not getting it exactly. if I had to. Exactly. But growing up a Dukes fan, obviously you grew up here in Albuquerque. What other sports were you what, – what was your best sport growing up? Was it football? I played soccer growing up from okay. the time I was five until uh, I was a sophomore in high school. Um, went through the whole Olympic development program and did all that. And um, my sophomore year, I broke my leg playing soccer. 
and Coach Candelaria, who was the high school football coach of Valley at the time, told me that they didn't really want to prepare for me being on the football team if I was going to get hurt playing soccer. And since they were in the same season, I respected that and um, had fallen in love with football in my first two years of high school, so it wasn't that hard of a decision. You, uh, growing up, were also a Lobo basketball fan, and Huge. I know I've talked to you about that, and obviously Lobo basketball is my first beat at the Journal, but let me ask you, and you've told me already, but for those listening, best, uh, I know there's two that you've mentioned to me, but what, what are your best Lobo basketball memories as a fan growing up? Well, the, the there's no doubt the 1988 Arizona game. Um, I can still remember where we were sitting. We were in the top row in the, in the Northeast, uh, I mean, row one at the top. I mean, yeah. I, I remember being a little kid and getting row one and being so excited the first time I went and oh, realizing I'm going to be right there. Yeah, you're not. <laughs> but it's still a great seat. Yeah. Now, for a, for a 12 year old, I mean, you're, in, in the, and most of that game we were standing up on the, on the um, benches, so yeah. it wasn't that big of a deal. Um, that, that's one of the most unbelievable nights in, in Lobo basketball history. Absolutely. Uh, when I was in college, the 1994 game versus Utah. Yep. Uh, I mean, when, when when Rice only kicked out of Miller in the head, trying to stop a bounce pass, that's one of the, the greatest moments. They don't call it. And then Royce hits that freaking from the from the Lobo head to win the game. I mean, me and my buddy Ranty Harper, who played here, uh, I mean, we're, we're jumping up. The student section at that time was at midcourt right behind Lobo level. And we would camp out to get the tickets because you could get a season ticket. You didn't have to do a game at a time. And so we'd camp over here in the pit, and uh, uh, we'd have the front row right there, right behind level level. We were behind TV. I mean, it was a great – it was an unbelievable seat for a student. Uh, that was we, one of the loudest games from what I've been told. Yeah, I mean, we I were jumping there. up and down, screaming. I mean, that was just awesome. I mean, Rick Majerus, who, I mean, rest in peace, I, I respect his soul. And, and he, I loved when he'd come here. and. And it was just some of the great battles um, between him and Coach Bliss. And, and uh, I mean, that, those two games are, are memorable to me. Now, when I was a real little kid, um, the the uh, paper cup game against UTEP, yep. that haunted me forever. I mean, why somebody would throw a paper cup is a guy shooting a free throw is beyond me. And it was our first opportunity to beat Don Haskins and, and UTEP in a while in the pit, and, and we screwed that up. Uh, but the one the memory of the pit that really – probably bothers me the most, March of 1992. New Mexico State's in the Sweet 16 here in the regional yep. against UCLA. Yep. Me and my dad are sitting in the mezzanine because those are the tickets we could get. And the people here, now, there's a lot of philosophies of people up here. I get it. That place was so loud for them trying to beat UCLA, and it was pissing me off. Was it? We're not supposed to cheer for them. We're not <laughs> supposed to cheer for them. I get it. They're from New Mexico. We don't cheer. I was, I'm sitting there next to my dad. And I'm just furious with all the people there. It's a great game. Now, UCLA ends up winning. A great game. But I'm just, I'm more mad that our people are cheering for that school. I mean, that, that just. Well, then now's a good opportunity for me to um, inject this story since I'm a New Mexico State grad. Mm-hmm. I was the sports editor at the Roundup. Covered a game up in the press box here. Um, I'm blanking on what was her last year's senior season. 1999. It was a 99. So I'm here, and you know Brian had just mm-hmm. an unbelievable game, mm-hmm. but New Mexico State won that game. Yeah, because he dropped a punt return. Yep. And Coach Long's first question, I'll never forget this press conference, because there's many that, and you prepare for these things thinking about them. He's in the press conference, and before anybody says, he says, Anybody want to know why Brian Erlacher was back there on that last punt? Because he's our best player. That's why he was back there. Next question. 
No, no, no question about Nobody it. had even asked. Nope. Nope, they didn't bring it up. They knew, I mean, he, he, he was our best player. Yeah. In every facet. Well, he had, he had um, I know he had a corner of the end zone catch as a receiver. I remember seeing that play thinking, like, I, I guess if you question Rocky about anything, I'm like, or Coach Long about anything, um, I'm like, why don't you just do 50 times a game, throw it up to Brian mm-hmm. Urlacher, and I, I get you can't really do that. But I remember thinking that was one of the most unstoppable things I saw was they had two guys covering him, double covering in a goal line kind of situation. There's nothing they could do to stop that catch. Nope. The, the, and that wasn't the that wasn't the deciding play in the game. It was a big play at the end of the game. The deciding play in that game was a fake field goal that they ran where we called safe and our knuckleheads, Brian included, didn't uh, they relaxed. But you and guys had the right call. call. We had the right call. We called safe. We did not call a block because they were it's about the 38 yard line, so it's a, it's a long field goal. There's no reason. I mean, and they ran a quarter out and ran right by our safeties and scored a touchdown. That was the difference in the game. Not that stuff like that sticks with the coach. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. Well, I can tell you that was um, as of that game, that was one of the best college football players I had ever seen in person. Mm-hmm. I have one other that I'll throw in the mix since then, and I worked in Arizona for a little while, but. And he was still very raw at the time. But Rob Gronkowski, when I was covering some mm-hmm. Arizona football, that as a tight end, I've never seen anything like that. At the one season he had where he was just he was running people over. And I thought you were there 07. Um, yeah. So I was there. Uh, yeah. Would have been had to have been 07, 08 range. And you know, Dimmel, you know who won those two games, right? Yeah, that'd be the Lobos over the Wildcats. <laughs> I was at that game, too. Yeah. Two years um, in a row. I was uh, I remember Dana Dimmel getting him and, and I interviewed Rob and. And uh, his brothers and his dad and everything. Mm-hmm. And I had to do one of those stories, one of those Q&As, like, what's your favorite movie? What's your favorite TV show? I'm actually going to ask you about one of those in a minute. But um, I had asked him, I said, Rob, uh, you know, somebody, the, the movie of your life, who's going to play you in a movie? What actor plays you in a movie? And his answer to me was um, Ivan Drago. Which I isn't like the, that. He's actually the character. Dolph Lundgren is who yep. would play him, but he said Ivan Drago's who would play me. And I'm like, yeah, that makes sense, except that you picked the character in a movie, not the actual actor. <laughs> no but, doubt. Uh, but, no, but, but, but Dolph Lundgren <laughs> would be a great fit. I mean, I was a big so, fan of Rocky IV. I'm a big fan of Creed too. So that'd be a great fit. Yeah, it would be. It would be. So, all right. I want to parlay the uh, conversation of you being a Lobo fan growing up into this cheerleader aspect that you took on this past year where you were at soccer. You were at every spring sport you're at women's basketball mm-hmm. and like it, it comes across i don't see football coaches doing that um i don't know if that's if that was how calculated that was by you or how much of that's just the local fanboy in you like you want to go to all these events and how much of it was what you spoke about at that economic forum breakfast a few weeks back about a month ago now where you were so grateful for all those spring sport coaches and what they did for you so very grateful um for what they gave up for us yeah. to be able to compete um, I'm, I'm in a position right now. I mean, I grew up a local fan. I grew up here. We went to baseball games. We went to basketball games. We went to football games. Uh, went to soccer games when we had soccer, both men and women's. Um, knew Kit Vela very well when she was a soccer coach when I was here before. So having the opportunity to go to those things was just, as a little kid, was awesome. Growing up was, was, was awesome. Being a college student here and doing those things, because a lot of them were my friends. I mean, being athletes are friends that hang out together. That was a big disconnect when I first got here. A lot of the athletes did not hang out together. Yeah, uh, there wasn't a lot of camaraderie in our building. There weren't the, the other sports didn't use this building. So that was one of the greatest times that I had. And some of my best friends were the soccer players, the volleyball players, the baseball players. I mean, we were we were buddies. 
And so I think it's very important for our guys to understand that we all are in this together. We can all help each other. And I think they saw that through the support. Now, before COVID, we went to a couple softball games as a team, went to a baseball game as a team. We went to a basketball game as a team. Um, it's kind of taken on a life of its own. Yeah. Now, my side of it, when I was growing up, I used to try to sneak into the basketball game to the pit <laughs> because I had a couple of uh, uncles that were ushers, Okay, getting those guys in trouble. Um, we used to come to football games all the time uh, when it didn't mix, especially when I was in high school. I mean, when I got my junior year, I got a free ticket every single time as a recruit. Uh, so, well, right now, I have keys to every single building on South Campus, and people don't stop me. Yeah. And so I'm going to take advantage of that as long as I can. Now, if if we are on the seasons that we're good, everybody will love and sell high, and, and they'll give me a little bit more time because I'm from here. And if we have a crappy one, they're going to be all, what's he doing here? But that's okay. You're still going to be there? Absolutely. Because here's, here's my true opinion. I have no problem when people talk bad about football or about the Lobos. I really don't. If they're talking about it, it means they care. When they stop talking, you need to pack your bags. Yeah. And so if they want to give me a hard time for, for screwing things up, I'm okay with that. It's when they stop giving me a hard time that we better find another spot. Now, I, I can agree with that, and I've, I've learned through the years that if, uh, if I get two or three emails or three or four posts on Twitter about how much uh, they don't care about something I wrote, it's mm-hmm. probably because, you know, a handful of people cared enough to tell me they didn't care. It's probably because they care a little bit. They cared enough to read it. <laughs> they cared enough to read it, you know. So. Now, now my wife, okay, uh, she's a mama bear, I know, not only of her kiddos, but of me. Yeah. And when people start talking bad, she struggles with that. So I told her a long time ago, uh, you know, when when they start writing bad, you got to have thick skin. Yeah. And, well, don't talk about me and don't talk about our kiddos. So Well, I'm, so here's here's what I'm curious about. Um. The, the setup's a little different, but in the pit, for years, the, the coaches' wives have a row right behind media row. Mm-hmm. So I, I sat right in front of, well, Tanya never sat there. Tanya Alford never sat there. I think, did she always sit upstairs in the... No, Tanya no actually, Tanya did sit there. I'm sorry. Ta- Tanya sat there, and then, and then Janet Neal sat there for a couple seasons, mm-hmm. but then I think she went upstairs she to the suites. Yeah, she, yeah, that's right. And then... Um, almost um, there. Almost there some, and then moved up because of the little ones, so she went right. up to the suites. But uh, I, I've always thought it was weird, the setup. And I'm okay with it because I actually talk, get to know them and talk with them quite a bit. But when the Albuquerque Journal reporter is sitting within arm's length of the coach's wife sometimes, mm-hmm. that could be an interesting situation. Oh, for sure. <laughs> but uh, For sure. And, and I know that doesn't happen here with football. Maybe that's a good thing. <laughs> Maybe that's a, a good thing. I don't know how your wife would She's handle it. She's, She's good with Steve. She's good with Steve. And, and, and Steve's, been, Steve's been good now. What the, the, but the great part is you're not supposed to be fans which I don't agree with, you are, but you have a job to do. And it's easier for you to do your job when we're winning. There's no doubt. The the losing part, that's a part of it. I can tell you I was the most popular reporter in Albuquerque when top 10 Steve Alford's Lobo basketball team was a three seed in the tournament mm-hmm. and everyone loved Jeff Grammer. And then things kind of started to hit, a, hit the skids a little bit under Craig Neal and everybody started to hate Jeff Grammer about mm-hmm. that time. I mean, and it's probably your fault. We lost to Harvard. Yeah, well, I didn't help. So, <laughs> um, look, you all that relationship building with the spring sport coach and all that kind of stuff. Um, pressure is probably not the right word, and I think I mentioned this to somebody that there's maybe some pressure on you guys this year. But it's not it's not so much pressure, but you've built up a big kind of expectation. Mm-hmm. You guys only won two games last year, right? But there is a momentum here that that's that's unique um, for a two win season with this program over the past decade really 
And I'm curious if you feel pressure at all to make sure that you guys capitalize on what's going on here. Um, if you don't feel pressure, you probably should get out. Uh, if you don't have that anxiety in your belly, if you don't, I mean, the expectation for us is to win. Yeah. Are we good enough to do that every time? We're not. And when I took this job, I stated very, very frankly, and I stole this from Coach Francioni, who I played for, the marathon, not a sprint. It, it, we're still in the, the beginning stages of this marathon because we're still building this program and we're going to build it off of freshman classes and it's going to be a very competitive and we're going to build it to be a conference champion. And we're getting, we're approaching, sorry, I don't know how close we are to the sprint. Now, we're going to be very competitive. We were competitive in every game last year. We got beat 28-0 at Air Force. That's the most competitive game when you see the score at the end of, that I've ever been a part of. We screwed up a lot of things. We gave ourselves chances and we'd shoot ourselves in the foot. But we had chances in every single game. I mean, if you would have told me, and I'll, I mean, this is this is probably the either second or most nervous I've ever been going into a football game against San Jose State. I had absolutely zero idea how we were going to play. Yeah. They just beat an Air Force. I know they were a good football team coming back because Brent's done a great job there. We hadn't practiced as a team Period. That was when you guys had the small units. Is all we were we were working in small groups yeah. here. We had not. We didn't have one practice where we had the entire football team on the field at one time. Uh, we were doing stuff in in groups. The we were we were we were avoiding contact. Which when you're trying to prepare for a football game, yeah. um, we 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 started practicing with some shoulder pads and doing some of those things on, but we took them off because. You put shoulder pads on somebody, they're going to naturally run into each other. Yeah. So then we took them off trying to prepare for a football game, and it's just, it was, it was never, because I had no idea. One, I didn't know how, how, what we were as a football team anyway, because we hadn't been able to, we had one live scrimmage before the count went from over eight per 100,000, and then they shut it down, and we didn't do anything until we played that game. And we were tied 21 21 at the end of the third quarter with the best team in our league. So we were competitive. We played better than I thought we would that night. Now, we can't give up long passes. I know we're going to get in the X and O's and do those things, but they want to win. They don't really know how. Uh, I think the last two weeks was very um, promising. When we first got back that first week after the Fresno game, you would have thought we were never going to lose again from all this stuff on sports radio and questions and stuff, but that's not the case. We're still building this. We've made progress. We have a long way to go. Um, if you break down, I mean, I'm pretty, I mean, coaches do this stuff naturally anyway, but at the end of the season last year, you break down how that played out. Well, if you go through what we're getting ready to start tomorrow, really today with the guys reporting, you get four weeks of fall camp. You'll scrimmage two to three times during that, getting ready for your first game. Well, our fall camp essentially started the day after we played San Jose State. And we 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 practice and then we play a game. We practice and we play a game. We practice and we play a game. Well, after the Utah State game, that's kind of your last practice before you start the season. Well, now I'm trying to sugarcoat this and make it sound good. Well, all of a sudden, our first game would be Wyoming if you go through a normal progression of the season of, of getting ready, training camp, and all that. And then we play those last two games. Well, they believed in the process and they got better. And we found a way to win the last two. Those, those two teams were better than we were. The fact that they kept fighting at 0-5 yeah. after I told them publicly that we're a well, terrible football team. That was the Utah team, State Thanksgiving yeah, game, right? And I told them not only in the, publicly but in the locker room. And I told them in the locker room before I said that, guys, I apologize to you. We've done a terrible job of coaching you because we have 
we have a football team that was probably as good as the football team, if not better, that we played tonight, and we screwed it up. We gave up four touchdowns in the three-minute and 56-second period. That's on us. Now, you got to do your part, but obviously we're not doing a good job preparing you. We're not doing a good job coaching you during the week. So you got two choices. You can show up to work on Monday. We'll give you a plan. And if you show up, we'll have a chance. If you don't, then we're going to keep getting our tails whooped. And if we go 0-7, we're going to struggle convincing them that what we do works. You told me in December then when you guys were done and basketball, and, and I think I even talked to Troy with New Mexico United because they had their unique season too. Um, but I was getting in, ahead of basketball. I asked both of you guys, what advice would you give to Mike Bradbury and Paul Weir for what you guys just went through, what basketball is about to go through? And you told me a story um, in that conversation for that article about that Wyoming game and an empty stadium. And you're on the sideline late in the game and, you know, coaching them up, hoping obviously you guys pull out a win, all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. But you hear something that you, you had never heard before ever. You, you remember what I'm talking about? To a T. What was we're, we're on the sideline, and we've got them down there. So they just uh, – we, we, we gave up a fourth and two, run the ball down to our three-yard line. Now, we've still, we've still got the lead. We've got them down there. We've got to keep them out of the end zone. we got them the first down. And I start hearing guys tapping their, their pads and their helmets, chanting, defense, defense. Never in my 20 years coaching, and probably in the world of college football – has a sideline ever looked like a Pop Warner sideline? I was going to say, that's like bringing a, their own energy. Maybe, maybe high school, but yeah, Pop Warner kind of Yaffle stuff right there. They were so into the opportunity to win that I think they were willing to do anything at that point to cheer on their guys, to get them going. I mean, we had about probably 16 guys up in the stands, and they're hitting the, the bleachers, and our guys are slapping their helmets and... and when we got that uh, fumble, there were, there were two points in that game. One, when we sacked the quarterback, when Ben Gazzalo got his sack on second down, the, the, our guys erupted. I mean, we got guys on the field, and, and the referee was like, Coach, you got to get these out of the field. And I said, man, I'm trying. Obviously, we're <laughs> not very good because they're celebrating this this early in the game. Just give me – and I thanked him for not throwing a penalty for, for us acting like a bunch of fools uh, on a second down sack. And so – they were so excited with the opportunity to win, to be in the ball game, and having a lead at that point, they just they started doing what it takes, and that's having fun. Now, having fun is winning. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the problem. You have to win to have fun. Because if you lose and you're having fun, then, then you're in the wrong business for what we're yeah, trying to do. You kind of have a, mind, a mindset shift there that you don't want to mm-hmm. have. Um, all right, well, you guys did win. You won those last two, built up a little bit of momentum. You're going into now a media day last, was that just last week or two weeks ago, I guess, already? And I'm curious what the biggest question other teams or the media around this league are asking you guys. You guys were picked last. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you and every other coach in the country are big fans of preseason picks. Um, you, you probably, I don't know, did you expect to be picked last? I did. Okay. I, and I, I, to be honest with you, I hope they pick us last every year. <laughs> that, that, that all, I mean, all you're doing is exceeding expectations. Yeah. They're expecting us to finish last. Yep. They're expecting us to be the worst team in this league. Good for them. Because we were, won't be the worst team in this league. Well, what were people asking you? What was the kind of the, the, the common, you know, You, you know, the common thing was um, they said it was really hard to evaluate your team. Uh, you, you win two games with a walk-on quarterback. Yep. who's no longer a walk-on quarterback. He's on scholarship now. Uh, you, you, get, you have 14 seniors coming back um, that played prominent time. But how much better are you going to be? 
I mean, what did you what did you guys do in Vegas? Did you get lucky? And there's some of that. I mean, some of it you have to the ball, them fumbling the ball going in. I mean, Brandon Shook made a great play, yeah. and our guys running to the ball. I mean, there's five white jerseys and one yellow jersey there. Those are the things we coach. Those are the things we show them. So there's some luck involved, but you want to have a great season in 1997. You think we didn't have some luck when we finished when we won the the Mountain Division of the of the WAC? I mean, we're five and zero at Utah State. They've got the ball with two minutes and 30 seconds to go, running out the clock, and we cause a fumble? There's some luck involved there. Sure. We recover, and then we score, and we win the game to stay undefeated. I mean, that's all right. Be hard to evaluate. Yeah. I mean, we'll play hard. We'll have a physical team, and we'll see where these standings are in December. All right, so local uh, TV um, sportscaster, uh, new one, Bethany Miller had you on video. And asked you something that I want to ask you about. She asked you two things. Let me. I'm gonna start with the TV one. Um, I was surprised to hear you say "This Is Us" is your favorite TV show. So currently, yes, my all-time favorite TV show is Seinfeld. Okay, "This Is Us." Me and my wife and and we watch that, and I think it's got a lot of really good stories, and I think it's a great show. But Seinfeld by far is my favorite of all time. All right. Well, then I'm gonna talk to you about Seinfeld. First of all, the, "This Is Us." I love it too, um, and it is a show I watch with my wife, and it's a, it's mm. a, it's a good show, well written. Um, but it surprised me a little bit because I still have this mentality of you as a hard nosed. You know, the, I, I, I watched I watched uh, your New Mexico High School Coaches Association speech just the, mm-hmm. um, just a little while ago and uh, or yesterday, and it's up on YouTube. And you know, you, you had a comment in there about how you know I'm not here for participation trophies mm-hmm. and ribbons and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, ah, oh, that's old school football coaching right there. And mm-hmm. then for you to say you like this is us, I'm like, wait you'll, a minute. You'll, you you need to do a podcast with my wife. Yeah. Because she will go story on story of, I don't even know who that man is. <laughs> when they come in, and, and my girls are here all the time. And she goes, the, the person you are on the football field and the person you are at home where you've got your two little girls and your boys and you're hugging and wrestling and, and joking and the, this is us comment. I mean, I've got no problem sharing my uh, vulnerable side or fragile side, whatever. Because at the end of the day, people are going to judge me around here whether the Lobos won football games or not. They don't care what well, I watch on TV. So now that, they might, if we suck, if we stink, they might say, "Well, it's because that's what he watches on TV." It's because he watches this is us. Well, okay, so that opened the door to two things. Now I'm going to be quick with it, but I'm I'm a huge fan now of Ted Lasso, and I don't see Ted Lasso as a Danny Gonzalez type of coach at all, except that he embraces decency and pe- treating people with respect, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff, but. I, I'm guessing you and Ted Lasso aren't similar, and I don't know that you've ever seen it because it's on Apple TV. I watched. You? I watched the first episode when they're going to hire him. They're bringing okay. him from football. They're going to hire him to coach this international soccer team, and I haven't gotten past it, so I can't comment on Ted Lasso. I see a lot right. of Twitter. That's I see fair. a lot of stuff on Twitter about with memes and funny set, and, and I know it's funny because that would be right down my sense of humor. Okay. Uh, so but you haven't watched it. So I have that's not fair. watched it, so I don't want to. I don't want to. I will follow up on Seinfeld, though, because the, yes. the coach I cover primarily is Richard Pitino, who, who has said he is a huge Seinfeld mm-hmm. fan. Um, I think I told you this recently. I, don't, I think it was you. I, I like Curb Your Enthusiasm better. Mm-hmm. So well, that, all, all that is is Seinfeld uncensored. Well, it's it really Seinfeld is. uncensored and, and even amped up a little bit, I think, For too. sure. For um, sure. So I like Curb Your Enthusiasm better. So that's the only reason I don't think Seinfeld is, like, my favorite show of all time, because I actually think they, they – Again, like they you put said, it on steroids. They, they, they put it on steroids, and I like the steroid version of it yeah, a little better it, than it, I like the Seinfeld uh, version. Yes. And Seinfeld's stand-up is great, all that kind of stuff. Great stuff. She asked you one other question, and this is the really one, the one I want to get to you um, about. She said, name your best spot, or what's the best spot you've ever visited in New Mexico? And your answer was 
Big fan of Lolly's Trail. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Sounds good. Good answer. She posted up on, on social media. Nothing, wouldn't have thought another thing about it. Had my wife, your not, wife not gone no on social media no doubt. And, and said, oh, that's where he pr proposed. Uh -huh. Is that right? That's where he proposed to me. All right. So you had two wins in Vegas last year. That's like another win in Vegas right there. You're 3-0 and in Vegas. Right. Or, you're three in a row anyway in Vegas right there now. Because that's a big time win right there that you didn't even explain. And it was even better because it took your wife coming on to tell everybody about it. And that's the that's the soft side she's talking about, right? No doubt. Uh, the one, my wife is my best friend. Uh, next to my faith, she's the most important thing to me. Um, I mean, we have we're blessed with four kiddos, uh, but she's I mean, she's the first one here. She, I mean, they're on game day, she's, she'll be the loudest. Uh, I mean, she does everything at home. The time that we were in Vegas, the the forty three days we were gone, uh, my opportunity to be a dad was through FaceTime and thank God we had that because yeah. without being able to see him would have been even harder. Um, she did not come out until the very last game. Uh, she was at the last game. She didn't want to bring COVID into our bubble if she traveled and, and so she wasn't going to be responsible for taking us down. Um, I mean, she's, she's changed my life. And so that was easy. You surprised she posted that for everybody to know? <laughs> no. Uh, I won't go into detail on that, but that she's, uh, I mean, I, I'll tell the, I, I'll tell the world how much I love her to death. So that didn't bother me. I mean, that didn't surprise me or bother me. I'm just saying there was a previous coach here that said you need to put up a, an extra digit on the scoreboard. And I'm just thinking of the brownie points you earned with that. Like you're scoring points with the wife when you say something like that. And, uh, <laughs> well, we saw how well that extra digit worked out. I mean, yeah. Right. I'm not promising that. All right. Well, that's what I needed, man. I just kind of wanted to chat with you a little bit before the season started. Obviously, you're about to get real busy. Is there a quiet time, really? I mean, with recruiting and all that, you're busy year-round, I know. But, like, no, our summers are are, uh, are fairly slow. Now, this year we're a little bit different because of COVID. You were allowed to do camps and do those yeah. things. Um, July is a big golfing month for, for our family. My, my wife's uh, big into it. Our little ones are now into it. Our boys were both varsity golfers in high school. So right. we play a lot of golf in the family. And plus we get, uh, I mean, the three country clubs here in town are unbelievable. Um, they've been unbelievable to us and our family, so we play golf at those places a lot. Who's the best among the coaches at UNM? Who's the best golfer? Oh, Glenn Milk. Well, oh, yeah, you know no. what? Brittany's pretty dang good now. Gustavo is probably the best one, but you got to take away the golf coaches. Yeah, out if you of that. take away the golf coaches, which one of you guys thinks they're the best, and which one <laughs> probably is actually up there as the best? Well, so we have a coaches challenge amongst Division One football coaches that every year at Pebble Beach that I was invited to this year that Coach Long's been to for 23 years. He's won the shootout three times amongst all those guys and won it this last July. So um, he would have a really strong claim for being the best one. All right. Uh, How close are you to Rocky? It's a coach long. Um, depends on the day. Okay. Um, I mean, I had a better day than him the last day at Pebble Beach, but I played better than I probably would normally. All right. And then now this summer, I mean, I've, I've gotten uh, – when you play every day, you you should get better. And we played almost every day for uh, the month of July. So. All right, so your game's about to go downhill for a while. Terrible. I, well, I, I actually played in a deal yesterday, and I won't probably touch him again until into February. I'll That's terrible. I'll close it with this. What should you? What should fans really expect out of this year? I know you're not going to put a, a win total on it. You're going to say we're going to play hard and all that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. W what should a fan of Lobo football that's either thinking about buying season tickets or just – coming out to even one game to kind of give you guys a try 
or give you guys a chance to come back because obviously the fans haven't been here mm-hmm. to, to your liking and to the school's liking for a while. They're going to give you a chance. They're coming back this year. What, what's your pitch to them on what they can expect to see on any given game? Um, I'm, I've taken to this, um, one, being an alumni here. It's time to paint this town cherry. Uh, you build it, they will come. Well, we're going to build it, but I want them to be here now. And people have been, I mean, we've been locked up here for the safety of New Mexico, but now we have an opportunity to get out. I mean, we got more people getting vaccinated. Uh, come to games. Come come be a part of what we're building here. We're going to win a conference championship. And I know the year that we win the conference championship, whenever it is here in the next few years, there will be all kinds of people there because everybody loves being associated with the winner. Come down. Why not us? Why not be a part of us? Let's paint this town cherry. We've been a Lobo town from forever, so why not come and be involved? Now we're going to play. We're going to be a competitive football team. We're going to play hard. We've got a bunch of good kids in our program. Now they're 18 to 22 year old knuckleheads that that we uh, we try and mentor and do the best we can, and they've done a really good job doing everything we've asked. Uh, they're going to play hard, just like you said. And at the end of the day, we'll check it out in December and see where we land up. We'll revisit this. I can't wait. Thanks, Dan. Thank you. Go Lobo. All right, there you go. There's my conversation with Danny Gonzalez, the second year football coach at the University of New Mexico. Thank Danny for uh, taking the time. I thank Danny for taking the time to talk to me. Obviously, I'm primarily the Lobo basketball beat writer at the Journal, but I've talked to Danny several times since he has been at University of New Mexico, and and I can tell you I've talked to him five, six, ten times more than, than his predecessor, and that doesn't mean anything necessarily I don't, I don't primarily cover Lobo football so there's there's not any specific reason that I would be talking to the Lobo football coach but with as much UNM athletics um, coverage that I do beyond just basketball um, I, I cover the, the news of UNM athletics an awful lot and things like that and just see a lot of the coaches around it uh, it is refreshing to see a football coach who is reaching out to to everybody to to maybe some of the people that weren't being reached out to before and uh, I, I think Danny, now that he is in game mode and there's a game next week, um, he won't be as out and about around town, but he's certainly done that. He was the cheerleader at a whole lot of spring sports last year. He was at every game. He was he was the one leading the charge, and he's kind of the one, the face of, uh, of Lobo Athletics leading the charge out of from underneath this black cloud. And obviously, Athletic Director Eddie Nunez is the captain of the ship, but he's the one doing the hires. He's, he's the one that hired. Danny, the local boy, to uh, to try and get football um, on the on the right path, and Lobo football getting on the right path is probably the single most important thing for UNM athletics and and the future of the program, frankly. And Danny, I think, gets that. I think he understands the importance of getting football right, and it may not happen immediately, it may not happen this season, but he welcomes the challenge, he rel- welcomes that responsibility, and he knows it's real. and uh, I like that about him. He doesn't shy away from it. So, again, I thank Danny for taking the time. Please do what you can to support local journalism so we can keep having these kind of conversations with the people in in sports around Albuquerque and around New Mexico, and we can keep bringing them to you. These podcasts, the coverage in every day in the print edition of the Albuquerque Journal, please subscribe. abqjournal.com slash subscribe is the best way to do so. You can also go to our website, revamp website as of this week. We finally launched our new website at abqjournal.com. 
and uh, cover us or follow us there every day, the digital version or the print version or podcasts like this. We're going to be bringing you the stories as best we can of college athletics in this town, in this state, of high school athletics around the state, and of pro sports too, and that includes the Isotopes, New Mexico United, their their pursuit for a stadium, all those topics we've been covering, and frankly, we've been doing a job I'm pretty proud of in the sports section and in the news section as well of the Albuquerque Journal. So please subscribe to the journal, support local journalism, however you listen to this podcast, rate, subscribe, leave a comment, give me feedback. Grammar at abqjournal.com is the email, or you can reach me anytime on social media, on Twitter especially, and that's at Jeff Grammar on Twitter, and let me know what you think. We'll be getting this podcast out a little more regularly, so until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>